Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Ngo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well, the show where we talk about all things well-being. And today, I'm very excited to have Kate with me in this virtual studio, and we're going to talk about understanding our connection with nature. And the reason I'm excited to talk about Kate is because, um, and by the way, she doesn't go by Kate on paper, um, just so you know, in case you want to look for her publications, it's under Catherine E. Schertz, and she is a postdoctoral researcher in the Emotion and Self-Control Lab in the Psychology Department of, of the University of Michigan. And she also completed her PhD in the Environmental Neuroscience Lab at the University of Chicago. And I'll throw over to Kate right now so she can introduce a bit more about herself before we get started, because I love to hear from my guests. So Kate, take it away. Let us know a bit more about yourself, you know, uh, who you are, why you're doing the work that you're doing, and why you would love to talk about the connection that we have with nature today. Yeah, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so my research focuses on how interactions with the physical environment influence cognition, um, emotional processes and behavior, and then the mechanisms for these effects. Um, I got into this research because I hiked the Appalachian Trail, which is a long distance uh, trail in the East Coast of the United States. It took me about five months. And I spent a lot of time thinking about how being in nature was, was influencing me. Um, so when I finished, I started looking for psychologists who were who were studying that and uh, found a great lab at the University of Chicago and have been basically able to research, you know, being have been doing research in that area ever since. And that was in 2015. So I'm excited wow. to um, share more today. Yeah. And you, you did tell me a little bit about your work earlier. So I'm keen to hear more about that in our discussion now. Before we go into the part where we talk about all things um, related to your connection with nature, we would love to get to know more about you and get some recommendations from you if possible. And we start by having a section called Have You Met Kate? So are you ready for that? Uh, sure. Let's do it. Okay. okay. The first question, I love asking my guests this question because I'm I'm a, an avid reader. W what is a book you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, Catch-22. Oh, I haven't read that one, actually. Oh, it's, <laughs> so a, it's to an the American party. classic. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's been on my list for so long. And I was just like, yeah, I'll read that later because, you know, it will always be there. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. How about a movie? Uh, my favorite movie is Casablanca. Hmm. Yeah. Next one, let's talk about a podcast. You know, I actually don't listen to my podcast, but I did really enjoy Serial, uh, which is I probably one of the more famous ones, but um I thought it was a really interesting story. It's uh and it's called Serial? Is that what it's Serial? Um <laughs> Oh. 
Wow. Yeah, okay. it's a it's a, That's a, true a new crime. one. It's a true crime podcast um, where oh. they're investigating um, a man who was convicted of murdering his girlfriend. Um, he's actually now been released from prison. Um, serial. I mean, there's there's some controversy there, but um, it drew attention to his case, and um, his his conviction was actually overthrown. Um, mm. so, oh so wow! Sorry. Interesting. Yeah, uh, actually, a lot of people on our team love truth crime podcast. So you know, like this recommendation will at least definitely um, be really fun for our team. Uh, next one is who's your famous role model, or if not famous, then your personal role model. Sure. Um, I would say one of my famous role models is uh, Greta Thunberg. Um, mm, yes. I met activist from Sweden. Yeah, she's, such a, she's very inspiring. Yeah, such an inspiring young person. And just yeah, changes our perspective on everything. Yeah, I love her. Um, and finally, what is a course that you have completed that you would like to talk about? Oh, sure. So I got to actually take one really fun class um, at the University of Chicago where we learned about park design. So it was um, called Second Nature and everybody in the class um, had to develop a new park for the city of Chicago. Um, and so we learned about different aspects of, you know, things people consider when they visit parks. Um, and I was able to design a park based around the psychological principles of restoration that my my psychology research uses, um, and so that was that was super fun. Um, and we the professor put everybody's designs in a book afterwards, and um, just very cool to see all the sorts of parks that people people came up with. So I really enjoyed oh, wow. that. Wow, yeah, well, that's super cool. Sounds so practical. Yeah, I mean, I had no background in in art or architecture or landscape design or anything, so I don't know how practical my my. <laughs> uh, theoretical park was, but it was it was certainly fun to um, to yeah. try and enact the principles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds interesting because even if it's not entirely your expertise, your expertise actually played a big part in making it happen. You know, so I feel like yeah. it could it could be like a collaboration effort. But yeah, absolutely. That sounds so cool. Yeah, I love that. I designed a park. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So we've got to know you a little bit better. And now let's actually talk about well-being and our connection with nature. Uh, oh. I think this topic is um, probably in this day and age super important to talk about, but not a lot of us, you know, actually spend time thinking about it because, you know, it's like the hustle and bustle and you just go with the grind of the days and you don't really think about it. And it really affects your well-being when you don't think about it from my personal opinion. You know, I don't, I haven't done any research, but from just noticing things for myself, I, I see that. So before we go into talking about nature, let's talk about well-being. So to you, what does well-being mean? Because for each person, it means really different things. Yeah, um, I would say that for me, a definition of well-being includes feelings like you're thriving or you have satisfaction in a balance of areas in your life. Um, so this includes factors such as physical health, mental health, feeling satisfied with work, satisfied with your relationships with your friends and family, um, can mean living in a healthy environment, um, financial security, um, satisfaction with any sort of spiritual practice you may have, all those things coming together um, 
so that you you feel like you can you know have a have a satisfying life yeah it's a myriad of things right and Absolutely. yeah I totally agree with you yeah i think on, on this show a lot of our experts were kind of talking about three key pillars you know like physical mental and spiritual but um yeah when when you mentioned other aspects as well i was kind of like yeah that's true like the financial aspect like where do we list that you know is it physical is it mental is it spiritual it's actually no um so yeah it's a, yeah it's a i mean it can, it can sort of like help contribute to all you know all three of those aspects right yeah exactly um, if you're too worried about finances you end up not having the time or the, the the cognitive resources to to think about or feel like you can prioritize any of those other yeah you know, aspects yeah that's a really good point because i think um when when we talk about let's say our mental health right a lot of people are like why don't you go to therapy but then the the fact is therapy is expensive and not ev- everyone can afford it. You know, like yeah. obviously in, in good healthcare systems, you get counseling sessions for free and, you know, you could get support from these hotlines, but sure. it's not the same as actually going to therapy, you know, every yeah. week. So it's kind of like, that's an interesting point. I don't think anyone has raised that on the show. So I think, yeah, it's something to think about um, because I feel like the current healthcare system is also kind of not designed in a way that supports our basic which is our mental health like i feel like we're really prioritizing the physical health aspect which is important but also there's an, a whole other aspect out there that we are not yeah. really covering yeah yeah absolutely. and i mean i don't mm. i guess i don't know how healthcare works in australia but in the united states even basic physical health uh is is expensive um and not mm. everybody has as much access to it yeah i need and certainly not access to to, to therapists or, you know, weekly counseling sessions. Yeah. Well, I would say here it's it's probably slightly better. Uh, you know, it's uh, we are covered by Medicare. Obviously, we pay tax for it, but, um, you know, it, it covers, let's just say, GP sessions. I think now it's actually like um, getting more expensive to go to GPs and it's not always fully covered by Medicare, but you still can do that. Um, and then obviously treatment wise, you probably have to get insurance for a lot of the other activities. Like, you know, if you want to get an ambulance, you still have to pay for that. But I do know that you can get, uh, I think, 10 counseling sessions in a year. So oh. based on, you know, depending no. on your condition, you can you can have that. So I think that's pretty decent. It's a good start. It's a start. It's a good start. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's a really good start. Like if, if you go, you know, at, like I say, let's say one session every month and 10 months are covered, basically, mm-hmm. if you need help yeah. um, with your mental health. But yeah, well, I don't know in practice because I haven't actually gone to these sessions, but that's what I know so far. Right. But yeah, there's a really big difference between countries, right? We don't know. And also... Absolutely. I'm not from Australia. I'm from Vietnam. And there we just don't talk about therapy. <laughs> so yeah, no counseling right. sessions. You know, like if you yeah. really want to go therapy, you do that yourself, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's an interesting it's kind of like this interesting myriad of different things to think about. But that's a really good way to start talking about this conversation, because, you know, there will be a lot of things that we talk about later that will be related to it especially when we talk about the misconceptions when it comes to well-being. So you already touched on a few things that you think would be important to our well-being. Um, but we also we also like to debunk some me- myths or just things that people think are important to our well-being, but actually not really. Okay. So you know, to your observation, based on your work, what do you think to be some of the misconceptions about well-being? Yeah, um... I would say one is that 
well-being means being happy all the time. Uh, I don't think that that's true. Um, you don't have to, you know, it's it's okay to have negative emotions. That's that's healthy. That's that's life. Everyone deals with that. Um, so it doesn't mean not feeling these things. Um, you know, it means having, um, you know, ways to ways to cope, ways to work through those, having a support system, things like that. Um, I would say that's one misconception. Um, another one, I guess, and and I don't know how prevalent this attitude is in other countries, but maybe in the U.S., you know, having good well-being is sometimes associated with. Um, you know, you have to meditate and do yoga. Like those are the like those are the activities that that are that are key. And I just think that you know a one size fits all approach isn't um, isn't the right way to think about it. Um, you know, if you if you're not into yoga, like that's okay. That doesn't have to be the one activity that that you do. Um, you know, there are lots of ways to do it. You can. Some people are into intense exercise and some people are into going on walks, right? Like you can you can pick and choose um, the things that work for you. And just because they work for somebody else doesn't mean like, you know, you don't have a good approach to well-being because you're not doing the same the same things as other people. So um, that's what I would that's what I would say as a couple of misconceptions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that it's quite important when you mention that is, you know, each person has a very different relationship with how they would like to nurture their well-being, especially, you know, like physical health, mental health. We enjoy different ranges of activities and that brings us a sense of well-being because it has to do with what we like and what yeah. works for us. So today we're talking about the connection we have with nature, regardless of whether you like uh, intense exercise or, you know, you just like yeah. to go on a walk or go to yoga, it's important for you to have that connection with nature, right? It's it, like, yeah. this is a fact that I know a lot of research papers have mentioned. Um, and obviously it's not nothing new to a lot of us, but just so we remind everyone of the importance of it. Uh, first of all, what do you think about um, this connection that we have with nature you know like what is it why is it so important and how can we go about having that connection yeah um yeah i think that like we'll start with with how you go about having it um and a lot of a lot of research has just shown that if you choosing to engage with nature um can can help build that connection um Taking your kids out into nature, if you have them, can can build that from an early age. Um, people with early experiences with nature um, typically have have stronger feelings of connection. But don't you know if you miss that, don't worry. Like you can you can build this connection to nature just by um, spending time in nature, noticing elements of nature. Um, there's some interesting research showing that it's not necessarily about like the amount of time it's not like the people who spend the most time in nature get the most benefits but even just taking the moment to um listen to the birds that you hear or stopping and smelling the flowers you know those sorts of activities really do um influence um mental health um and feelings of of well-being um being being satisfied with life so um don't feel like you have to get a certain amount of time in um but even just just noticing the natural elements in your neighborhood, um, taking going to local parks and then you can mix it up. You can go to 
other, um, you know, more wild natural areas if you want when you have more time off. Um, it's, you know, depending on where you live, maybe you have easier access to the ocean or, you know, blue space. We tend to talk about in terms of blue space and green space. Um, but maybe water is, is available to you. So visiting those natural areas, um, all those sorts of activities can help, can help build, um, how connected you feel to, to the world around you. Um, and it can be like, we started talking about an individual. I like going on hikes. Um, that's not what everybody's into, right? Maybe you like gardening, right? Like that's still, that's still engaging, um, you know, with the natural world and all of those activities um, can help build that connection. Um, and, and yeah, research has shown that even just, just feeling connected to nature, um, even if you don't get to engage with it as often as you want, can actually, um, you know, is associated with, with feeling happier and feeling higher, higher levels of well-being. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that is what the research says, but I can tell you straight away from personal experience that any time that I'm kind of feeling down and I just go for a walk and I go to, let's just say, an open area with lots of trees and plants and flowers, I'm just like, I feel okay. Like, I feel grounded, you know? Yeah. Even even if it's like a really funky day, whatever it is, like after a long walk in nature, I just feel better. Um, so I yeah. can attest to that for sure. Yeah, no, I hear it all the time. I mean, we do it with, we try and do it with large samples with, um, you know, we, we have stringent experiments where we send people on walks in nature versus walks in city environments. Um, so there's certainly, a, you know, a, a research aspect, but then anecdotally, I talk to people all the time who are just like, oh yeah, I just, I went, you know, I just went for a walk um, in the nearby park and I just felt less anxious right away, you know? And, and so I definitely think that people will see it in their daily lives and um and most people have intuitions that that they'll it'll be good for them but you know like you said having the time and, and getting to act on it um in order to build those connections and to to reap the benefits um is important mm, yeah absolutely wow i mean I'm just talking to you and I'm already like imagining myself going for a hike and I'm like, oh, that feels so good. It's been a while <laughs> since I did one. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been a while since yeah. I did one. And I'm like, oh, now I should do it. We have a long weekend coming here in, in oh, Australia. So great. I think it will be the perfect, perfect chance time. to go for a hike. Yeah, perfect timing. I love that. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's also the matter of uh, where you live as well, you know, because I, I know for a lot of people and this probably is what hinders them because for a lot of people, they live in really busy uh, let's just say city areas where it's yeah, there's nothing but tall buildings and very yeah. rarely would they find a park or, um, you know, even like a place where there are a lot of trees and plants. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I feel like it's not being talked about too much. And a lot of people are going to the gym, myself included, but I still find that, you know, like every now and again, I like to switch it up and just like be out in nature. That really helps. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you think about things that can can hinder um, connection to nature, or you know, t like ability to interact with nature, I think there are some some real structural barriers um, that that prevent um, prevent people from from doing so. Um, and a lot of times, it's related to socioeconomic status, where you know, people who are in poor neighborhoods have less trees nearby or they have less parks or less quality parks. Um, they don't feel safe visiting parks. 
Um, there's research showing that um, members of minoritized populations and immigrants also feel they have less sense of belonging in public spaces and may not feel like they belong in parks, which can be a barrier to going. Um, and I think that part of the problem is that a lot of like policy looks at nature and being able to interact with nature as, as sort of a luxury. And in our research, we think of it as more of a necessity. You know, it's it's contributing to mental health, physical health um, in all sorts of ways. And we don't always we haven't really fully determined the mechanisms for yet, that, though, that yet. But we know that these effects are there. And so when you see this as a as a necessity, then you realize that we need a more equitable approach in allowing everybody to have um, an easier time accessing you know, parks and and places like that. Mm, yeah, that is so true. And, you know, it's not about just our well-being, but it's also this relationship that we have with nature. Right? And that's something that we want to talk about today, because um, I think this, this actually goes uh, to your uh, famous role model, Greta. So, you yes. know, this this topic will be really timely to talk about because... On the one hand, we are talking about being in nature, so we improve our overall level of well-being. And on the other hand, we have this relationship with our planet. And um, a lot of the time we forget about this connection we have with nature in the sense of, you know, this is, we're one, you know, we, we're yes, here yes. and, you know, we thrive thanks to nature. So... I want to pick your brains because you, you, when you do your research, obviously you've come across a lot of um, the, the things that have been happening around the world and, you know, things that we can do better perhaps. And this is related to pro-environmental attitudes. Not everyone mm -hmm. has that. For example, I can tell you in Australia, we have, uh, you know, like we have a lot of, um, let's just say discussion forums or like activities or like flyers around the city to just, um, you know, reuse, reduce, recycle. Like that's the basic, right? Everyone yep. knows about that. Yeah. Yeah. And you would, you would go, um, you would go out and then you would still see, and this happens to me as well sometimes where I have a keep cup, but I forget to bring it. And then I kind of like, oh, okay. Most of the time I would choose to have the coffee at the cafe. So then, you know, I don't, you know, yep. get another plastic cup out. Um, but then sometimes I would go out and I forget about the, forget about the fact that, oh, I should have brought it back. And then I, you know, get a, a reusable plastic bag, but I still feel bad about it. And I feel like a big part of it is like, it's not consciously in my mind all the time. And, you know, I'm as guilty as a lot of other people. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if there's a correlation between how you, how much you're connected to nature versus okay. how pro-environmental you are. Yeah. Yeah. There, there has been research so showing that correlation. Um, definitely. So people who report um, higher connections to nature are more likely to um, identify as an environmentalist. They're more likely to to sign a petition about recycling in their community. Um, they're more likely to report um, walking or biking um, instead of driving to places in order to you know reduce reduce emissions. Um, and and a lot of the research has been correlational, um, but some, you know, some reasons behind that um, might be that people who feel connected to nature um, are connected to the natural world are, are then motivated to to protect it. They're motivated to do those behaviors um, that that are less damaging to the planet. Um, and conversely, then disconnection from the natural world might mean you're unmotivated. Um, and I think one way to think about this is. 
if you just if you look at how humans interact with other humans, we know that you're more likely to help somebody that you're close to. You're more likely to to be willing to to do things to help them. And that might then extend to nature as well. If you feel closer to nature, you're more likely um, to to help it, to to be willing to engage in those behaviors that are useful. Um, but I do want to say I think the the causal relationship we we need to do more research um, to determine whether we can, um, you know, whether increasing somebody's connection to nature then you know then leads to more pro environmental behaviors or do people that already engage in pro environmental behaviors feel a, a greater connection to nature because they do those things um, and so longitudinal work or looking at randomized interventions. Um, those sorts of studies would be useful to really um, get at the mechanisms behind yeah. those relationships. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. I was like, okay, I, I don't do research and now this is making sense to me. Yeah, it, it sounds like a lot more work needs to be done. Uh, but I think you mentioned earlier about the things that could hinder us, right? We already covered this. You know, a lot of things mm-hmm. that are happening in our lives, though, where we work, where we live, how our lives are going about, that... All of that will affect how close you are to nature. And a lot of the times is um, it's not because of your intention. It's not that you're intentionally sure. avoiding nature, but it happens, right? And yep. a- another factor is, um, I know this from, from working with a, a big team of remote workers. And I can tell you straight away that because a lot of people are remote workers, they work from home all the time, maybe 95% of the time, you know, like the other 5%, they would probably pick up their computer and go to a cafe if they're like, I need a change of environment. But, you know, like there's, there's not a lot of time spent going out anymore, not, you know, not even in the city context, but not, and definitely not in nature. So all of this is made possible thanks to technology, you know, like we can work remotely, we don't have to go out anymore thanks to technology, you know, we don't even have to go out and buy our food or buy our groceries because someone will deliver that for us. It's kind of like this, you know, this new life, uh, this kind of modern world we're living in, it's very interesting in the sense that when I think about it before this conversation, I was kind of like, there's really no reason for me to be in nature, you know, unless I choose to be because I can just choose to be inside. I don't have to go anywhere. And, you know, like if I go from home to the office, one step up the tram, then, you know, like a step down, that's the office. I don't really, you know, like go to nature. I mean, there's a really beautiful harbor in front of our uh, office building. So that's a different story. But yeah. For a lot of people, it's like that, right? They go yes, to yeah. work, they drive to work, get to the office and then go sure. home again. And they don't really, you know, go out in nature. Um, it happens. Yeah. So this is something that it's kind of prevalent because technology is everywhere nowadays. And, you know, most of the time, even on your time off, you probably just be with technology again, playing games, oh. watching Netflix, yes. you know, doing a lot of activities. So how can this make things better you know we have technology it might actually hinder us from being out in nature yeah. so what is uh, what are some ways that technology can actually help us to be connected to nature sure yeah so i mean some people would say it's like a non-starter we should just like you should just go <laughs> go visit the go visit nature and put your leave yourself in at home um but i don't think that's very pragmatic you know technology is definitely integrated into our daily lives um and i think there are ways that it that it can be used and a couple of examples Um, there's apps that can help you engage with nature when you're out so there's one called picture this which helps you identify plants 
right? So I don't actually know much about plants. I like hiking, but I don't really know what I'm looking at. So I could, um, I could take a picture of a flower and then it'll tell me what kind of flower that is, where it grows, and you can, you can learn about it. So, um, it's really, you know, letting you engage with the elements that are, that are in your environment. Um, I think there's, there's been a couple of other apps that have been developed by researchers that, um, paying people to pay attention to their surroundings. You know, they'll send them a message and say, hey, what what beautiful nature have you noticed today? And just get people to sort of step outside themselves and really think about their surroundings. Um, there's another app that's being developed, um, not necessarily for general public use right now, but they're doing trials on it where it uses your location and it'll, it'll remind you that, hey, you're close by a park. Do you have time to go for a walk and to to go visit it? Right when somebody's out and about, so just encouraging them to to make that that effort using their cell phone as a way to to know that this is a good park to recommend. Um, and I think another um, another way, a third way, is that social media can actually encourage people um, to to go out and spend time in nature, um, particularly. Um, you know, groups, people that may have been historically excluded, um, can use it as a way to find, um, other people that are engaging in nature. Um, two that I'll mention here in the United States, one is called Outdoor Afro, um, which, um, helps African-Americans find groups of people who are going out to engage in nature. Um, they do bird watching or they go on hikes or walks. Um, and that can be a way to, you know, get somebody to to take steps to engage um, because they have a group of people to go with. Um, there's also a group called Hike It Baby that uh, my sister was was a part of. Um, and it, it gets moms um, or parents um, to go out with their kids and to, to take take their kids on hikes um, and ways that, you know, before she was in that group, you know, she just sat at home with a newborn and didn't, you know, didn't really know what to do. And then, you know, had a group that she could she could go out with. Um, and and I know they're they're doing good work to encourage that. So. So I think that those are the ways in which, um, you know, we can use technology um, to still to, to benefit us and to encourage people to, to get out um, and engage in nature in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are such great ones. I didn't know that those apps existed until you told me. So I'm going to try them for sure. Uh, hopefully I'll go on a hike this weekend and use the app and find out what plants and trees I'm yeah. looking at. Because I'm also not great at that. I go to the botanic gardens. I'll be like, oh, that's really nice. I don't know what that is. And then sometimes they would have little signs, you know, everywhere to kind of tell you what they are. And then I'll just be like, OK, cool. And then I forget about it. Um, so, yeah, this is actually really great, you know, to learn more about our planet. Right. Such a nice Nice way to ease into getting more connected to nature. Okay, so we've talked about a lot of the theory, lots of research, and uh, also you recommended some apps. But I wonder for everybody else who is kind of new to, you know, just getting back into getting their connection with nature. Like for me, I would say I'm also kind of like half, half, like halfway there. Um, I would like to be more connected with nature. And sometimes I forget because my days are really hectic. And sometimes I can confess that after work, I just go to go to bed. Like that's it. I don't even like make an effort. So most of the time I'm really grateful because I'm in this beautiful city of Melbourne and I just go out for a walk, a really long walk after work. And that makes me really happy. And I feel more connected to nature. But 
you know, more often than not, I have to confess, I don't do that. So what would be a practice that you recommend to everyone, you know, to anyone and everyone so that we can start to improve our connectedness to nature? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're on the right track with just trying to build in, build in short walks in our daily life, um, depending on where we are. Um, you know, hopefully you're in a, in a neighborhood that you can walk around in. Most neighbors, na- most neighborhoods have some natural elements in them, you know, maybe not a lot, but one thing that I and my partner did during the pandemic was, you know, our, nothing else was open, but we could, we could leave our apartment and go on walks and we would just pick different blocks. And then I'd be like, oh, this block has a lot of pine trees. This block has a lot of oak trees, you know, just sort of paying attention to the different elements and trying to build connection that way, even when we couldn't really go out to, you know, grand nature or anything like that. And we were, you know, we were living in, in Chicago at the time. So um, mm. just trying to pay attention to, to what you do have. Um, and and like I said, um, you know, it's not you don't have to go spend hours in nature. Obviously, if you have that time and you like doing that, I certainly encourage it. It's it's not going to hurt you. Um, but not everybody does. And so just trying to make those moments matter, um, I think, is is the right way to start. And then maybe the more you do it, the more you'll like doing it. And if you start remembering like, oh, yeah, I felt really good after that walk. I should do that again. You know, that can help you build build a practice, build a habit um, the way um, the way that all way that all habits are mm. built. Yeah. Okay, so let's say someone is trying to get more connected to nature and they try this practice um, on the daily. Um, what would be the minimum amount of time that they should spend doing this, in your opinion? Oh, I don't really like to recommend minimums. I think that okay. anything that you can do is good. You know, I mm. you hear about, you know, some people want to do things perfectly, right? Like, they're they're perfectionists. Like they're only going to do something if they can do it um, yeah. exactly right. Right. But I think approaching this more of a like good enough, right. Like getting out there is good. Um, so, you know, doing whatever you can um, is, is a better way to think about it. Um, mm. And now, it, you know, I don't always go on like a dedicated nature walk, but I happen to like my commute is, I have walks on both ends of a bus ride, you know, and so I try to pay attention to nature um, even while I'm waiting at the bus stop or when I'm when I'm walking through my neighborhood to to the bus. Um, Mm. So is that do I get as much benefit from that as like when I on a Saturday go out for a longer walk in the park? No, but it's it's a start and it's something. So I I guess I just encourage people to um, anything at all is is better than nothing. Um, Yeah. You can even start with, you know, indoor plants, adding some adding some live live plants to your to your um, your house or apartment. Um, things like that can can also be, you know, there's lots of benefits of indoor plants. And I don't do research in that area, but um, certainly people have. Um, so even even adding something like that to your environment can can help you. Um, feel better and, and feel more connected to, to the natural yeah. world. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good one. I, I had a lot of plans uh, a while a long while ago, and then I had to get rid of all of them because they're all toxic to my cats. When I started oh. getting cats, I had to get rid of all of them. And yes. then I started to do research, like, which plants are okay for cats? And then, you know, like, start, started back up again. So oh, no, now I have one plant. Yep. Yes. Now it's like, it's a whole new journey. But then I, yes. I actually... <laughs> I can tell you that, and this is this might help our listeners. The other day, I saw two new leaves from my monstera, and I was like, "Oh, I feel so happy!" You That's know, like great. they're just like new leaves. And I mean, monstera is not exactly non-toxic to cats, but I just <laughs> love them so much. So, I'm like, I just have to get another one. Um, I, I gave the, the other plants away earlier, and then now I just miss them so much. They're my babies. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually really good to to try adding that to your living environment. Um, I think I heard a lot of people who kind of like, oh, I don't really, I don't think I can take care of plants. But then it's that's not the point. You know, the point is that you're adding that element to your living environment and try, do your best. Yeah. You know, if it's a first time for everything. Uh, so yeah, I, I think getting started is definitely a really good practice um, just to kind of like... Yeah get it done and then you'll see the benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely plants. Um, like we, we got some plants for our lab, for our office. Um, we figured we're doing research in this area. We should, you know, practice our, practice our research. And we definitely looked up like what are the easiest plants to have to take care of. Um, so, you know, you can, and now of course I don't remember the scientific names of any of them. Um, <laughs> one was like a yeah. snake, snake leaf or snake something. Um, oh, they're very yeah. hardy, and you know it okay. would be, be very difficult to um to to damage them. So, so if you you can Google hardy office plants, if you're if you don't feel like you have a green thumb, that's definitely a good. good yeah, place I to think start. it's. <laughs> I think what what you just talk about is a uh, snake plant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cute. Yeah, Let I know, know these ones. They're very attractive. Yeah. But... yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think these are not toxic to cats. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, to that's cats. a really good one. Yeah, really good. Um, uh, all right. So you said you don't like to recommend the minimums. You know, we can try adding plans and we can try to be out as much as possible. I mean, what I take from that to our audience is if anyone's kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be possible. Well, let's just try to get out of the house at least once a day. And yep. notice the environment and then come back no matter how long or short that walk is. So yeah, I think that would be a good place to start because I forget about this sometimes. You know, like there are days that I'm just kind of like, because I, I work from home uh, at least mm. three days a week. So I'm kind of like, oh, there's no reason for me to go out today. It's gloomy. Yeah. It's rainy. I'm just going to stay in. <laughs> right. No, and then I have to just try and go outside. Outside. Yeah, but then I feel funky afterwards. I'm like, you know what? I should have gone out, even though it was rainy. Like even if, even just a short walk around the block, that'd be great. Oh. So yeah, it's definitely something to try for for anyone and everyone. All right, so I think that would be everything that we needed to cover for the practice section. Very practical, and hopefully, we're encouraging more people to go out at least once a day. You know, just to explore their living environment. Um, beyond their building, their house, and so on. And we have uh, a lot of questions from our audience, and a lot of them are kind of related to the topics that we were talking about earlier. One thing that we haven't addressed, uh, and I think this is an interesting one, is what are some of the potential negative consequences of being disconnected from nature, and how can we address these issues? 
Um, yeah, so, well, we've, I mean, we've talked about a lot of the benefits um, of, of feeling that nature connection and, you know, the, the downsides are, um, you know, the absence of those. Um, there's also work showing that people who, um, so like my lab has, my, my old lab has done some work showing yeah. that there are cognitive benefits to being in nature. People um, have better working memory and better attention. And some work suggests that people who are more connected to nature might reap those benefits more easily um, because they feel more comfortable in the space um, or they have a habit of, of being in nature. So it's not, it's not as challenging. And so building a connection to nature can then help us Feel the other benefits of being in nature. Um, there's a lot of affective benefits too. We feel happier. We feel more positive if we've gone on a nature walk. But if you're nervous about being there, if you don't go to the forest that often, you're not actually going to reap those benefits. So feeling disconnected can then actually make it harder to get to get the benefits that nature nature does provide. So. Um, you know, starting with with baby steps, like we've talked about, can sort of build this practice. And then the more you do it, um, the the better and the better for you, I think it will be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good reminder because um, I think we didn't mention this before, but cognitive functions, that's super important. And I think if we spend uh, a lot of our time just indoor looking at our screens um i don't know about others but personally i have a headache like yeah. sometimes two hours in like in the morning sure that's like that that's how quick it gets to me so i think it's i couldn't think either like i feel like my brain's foggy and i need to like i just need to disconnect from everything to like find that connection again um and so i think yeah, it's, it's super important to have this in your daily practice and um just go out like you know, I feel like my walk from home to the gym in the morning helps just with that. Okay. You know, like I'm like, oh, OK, I'm out like fresh air. You know, like I see people, yeah. I see trees that already helps. And yeah, I feel like I work better as well. Like have more mental clarity if I do that. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you. And finally, before we let you go, we have this section called Open Mic, where you're welcome to talk about anything that you're passionate about. I know you're super passionate about your research and your work, so yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you would talk more about it. So take it away. What would you like to share with yeah. us today? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, we've been talking a lot about how engaging with nature can help us feel more connected to the natural world. Um, but other parts of my research have shown that it also makes us feel more connected to others. So we can help build our social relationships um, by going out into nature. And so uh, we did one study where we took people to a conservatory, an indoor sort of uh, botanic garden, um, and we took them to an indoor mall. And we compared what they were thinking about in these two locations. And we found that people were much more likely to be thinking just about themselves when they were in the mall. Uh, whereas when they were in the conservatory, they're more likely to be thinking about other people um, and the world around them. And so we also found that when you're visiting um, parks, you feel more connected to, to the other people in your environment. Um, and so it's not just a way to, to build our connection to the natural world, but it's also a way to build our connection to others. 
Um, I'm working on an- another study right now where we're looking at loneliness and whether people feel less lonely, even when them- they're by themselves, uh, when they're visiting a park. And so um, I think that's just something to keep in mind that there's a lot of different ways in which engaging with nature can can improve your well-being because feeling more connected to others is is definitely a key um, key piece um, for, for well-being as well. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think that's a really good point that we didn't talk about earlier, because um, one of the things that I noticed when it comes to being in nature is sometimes you get a little bit of a boost if you're going out with your friend and just kind of like, oh, hey, do you want to go out for this walk or do you want to go camping or do you want to go to this park? And then you would feel not only more connected to nature, but actually build that relationship in a better way. Um, Because I, I don't remember where I read this, but it's basically like, you know, a lot of our activities nowadays are indoors and you know a lot of the sure. times you would spend time watching tvs together where you can actually do other activities okay. outdoors where it will improve your connection to other people and even yeah. yourself yeah. um so yeah That's i'm keen cool. to hear more about your studies because you know like i spend a lot of time by myself in nature uh, i don't know if that actually is scientifically great but i do know that it's good for me i know that it's really good yeah, for me so is. i'm keen to hear yeah yeah, I mean, a lot of research that's been done is send, you know, we, we send one person on a walk by themselves. So, you know, a lot of the benefits that we're seeing have been at least scientifically that way. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to think about, like, in the real world, a lot of people, I mean, I spend time in nature by myself. I go for hikes alone. Um, but I also go, you know, with, with my partner or with my family. Um, and so I'm planning a study coming up where we're looking at partners going into nature together. And, and how they talk to each other and how they feel connected to their partner um, and how the environment, you know, may um, may relate to sort of inducing feelings of closeness and and um, increasing relationship satisfaction and things like that. So, mm. yeah, that'll be some future work. Yeah, that sounds promising. I'm very excited to find out more about that because uh, we here at LMSL love those insights. You know, anything that's kind of like, oh, that's a new finding. Very interesting. How can we make that happen in our daily lives? Um, so, yeah, I think from today's conversation, I'm already like planning for my long weekend being out Great. in nature. So, so <laughs> you know, like. I can I can tell you that it's working. You know, you're definitely doing a great job at convincing me. Um, yeah, but and I also think it's it's very important to kind of get that connection with ourselves when we're out in nature because um, I do remember that a, a lot of the times when things are kind of like wonky, I didn't really feel okay, and I I would go out in nature and I would feel like I calmed down again. And this it, this is like a reminder because a, a lot of other times I forget to do that. Sure. Even though I know that it used to be helpful, I don't do that. And so now it's kind of like, hey, this is your reminder. And maybe for our audience, if anyone is kind of feeling the same or they're feeling a bit funky or they they want to work on their well-being and um, they truly want to maybe even be more creative. You know, I I think I've heard being in nature can help you to be more creative as well. And this is, you know, like a message from the universe to go out and connect with nature and see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's, uh, it's I think, afternoon for you already. So, you know, approaching the end of the day. Um, yes. Hopefully you're feeling okay. Uh, and you're going to go in, hopefully, I'm hoping you're going to go out in nature after this. Um, yes, to absolutely. enjoy. Yeah, enjoy your environment. But before I let you go, how can our listeners find out about your work if they're interested? Um, you know, like what's your website, maybe social media that they can visit? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I am on Twitter as Kate underscore shirts, S-C-H-E-R-T-Z. Um, and um, I'm also on the uh, lab website of the lab that I'm at at the University of Michigan. So it's the Emotion and Self-Control Lab working with Dr. Ethan Cross. Um, and so you can definitely find me there and and uh, my email is listed and happy to um, you know field any questions or share my research papers um, if anyone is interested in learning more. Yeah, definitely. I'll sign up for that research paper. I mean, I'm interested. You listed a bunch of research projects. I'm kind of like, I want to sign up to hear more about that. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go and find that. Thank you so much for being here, Kate. And uh, we really, we were excited to have you and we weren't wrong. And it's been a really good conversation getting to know more about this relationship that we should have, you know, our connection with nature. And for me personally, it's been a really good reminder to, you know, do, do my part and do better at, you know, getting that connection. Um, and thank you for being here. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully we'll thank have you, you so back much. sometime. I had a great time. Yeah, I would love we'll, to we'll definitely sign up to see more of your research. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.